year two, episode two of Pat's Interference. What's going on, everybody? I'm Patrick Norwood. He's Patrick Brickman. Last week, we discussed Alabama's quarterback battle. Going to go into a little bit more detail with that tonight. Plus, we move to the defensive side of the ball. What's going on with Tony Brown? Is he possibly starting as a safety? Plus, we move to the opposite side of the state. We talk about Auburn. What's going on there with Javon Robinson? We get into John Franklin III. We got it all for you right here. This is year two, episode two. Pat's Interference. Well, hello everybody. A handful of practices under the belt for the Alabama Crimson Tide. You're listening to Pat's Interference. we got a lot to talk about today. QB battles, running back battles, and some other storylines that are developing. I am Patrick Brickman. And I'm Patrick Norwood. How's it going, everybody? Patrick, how was your week, man? It was busy. It was busy, but podcast busy. Not even well, it was work busy, you, but it was even been, more so podcast busy. It. For those of you who don't know, the website patsinterference.com has a whole new look, all brought to you by Patrick Brigman. Our, our podcast is back on iTunes. It's it's on the Google Here, Play. Whatever. I got it's, you. Hold on. Hold on. on I got this down. It's on everything. I got this down. So so here, here's here's the updates too. We we decided. Year two, we got to get more serious, so we had to completely make the website look different. Looks great. Patsinterference.com, same domain name. Still the easiest way to listen to the podcast if you're sitting at your laptop or desktop. But for those of you on the go, which is most of us these days, it's 2016. We're, we're back on iTunes. Sure. Who we're on, on Google Play. Right. We're on SoundCloud. Of we're course on we are. Pocket Cast. Why we're not? on Stitcher. Sure. Everywhere. Yeah. Who doesn't want to be on Stitcher? It's actually apparently that was like for a while the most popular uh, and, podcast place. And after you told me about Android. it, like I looked it up, and that's actually like when podcast started. It, it, isn't that right? Like when podcast first started getting going, that was like a huge like Stitcher yeah. was like the first huge outlet. Let's and a lot it, of people man. are still on it, especially people on Android. Well, thank you so much. I, I, I've got to say, as half of Pat's interference that has not done nearly as much so far in year two, I'm, I'm extremely excited and proud of what you've been able to do as far as the marketing and development now, side. Is. The the website right now, well, let me explain it. Basically, the video plays behind it. It's FSU video. Um, I know a lot of people will be like, well, why do they have FSU playing if all they do is talk about Alabama? Basically, that's video I shot last year at the game. I didn't want to steal video from somewhere else that, that, sure. that I'm not allowed to use. Sure. So when I make it out to an Alabama game this year, and any other SEC games I might make it sure. into, well, I'll, I'll put those we're, plays we're in We're college too. football-centric, too, so it's appropriate. Exactly. I feel like it's appropriate. You know, we, good. you and I both discussed Alvin Cook in our Heisman races last week. I, I feel like it's appropriate. I feel like it's appropriate to put up there. Uh, so that being said, we'll we'll do our little overarching thing right now. You can listen to us at patsinterference.com. You can go to Pat's Interference. That's P-A-T apostrophe S Interference on Facebook. You can look us up at P-I underscore podcast. Uh, any other way you want to find us, contact us, patsinterference at gmail.com is our email address if you don't want to post something publicly you can send something to us privately there you can like comment share let us know what you think we're always open to suggestions always open to critiques if you want to come on the show let us know if you want to write a blog post let us know if you've got great pictures you want to share let us know we're we're multimedia eccentric here we we love it we love it so just let us know uh what you think and what you like what you dislike and we'll go from there uh so buddy yeah you are uh, your your days in Orlando are, are now numbered. They they are. They tell, are. Tell us about that. I, you've, you've been busy. You know. You said I'm the only one that's been busy. You've been quite busy. I've, well, you you've been busy with podcast stuff. I haven't been able to be as busy with podcast stuff. I actually uh, 
kind of have a big announcement. First off, everyone, um, anyone who listens in Orlando or everyone who listens in Orlando or even those who don't uh, need to know, I, I will cherish my time here uh, forever. I, I really will. The people I've met, the relationships I've had here, um, work and otherwise have been outstanding, absolutely incredible. And this is a time in my life I'll never forget. However, uh, after sort of some back and forth and you know a lot of tough decisions being made um i've decided to uh to take another job and i will be moving to uh high point north carolina high point university go panthers uh, i'll be the go panthers. i'll be the multimedia coordinator for the athletic department there so i'm getting back into college athletics big south conference Patrick. that that is a bomb that is a that's, that's that is huge. a hell of a job and you deserve it thank you thank you i appreciate it we got we got charleston southern Winthrop's in that conference. The conference is stacked. Uh, you know, I'm just uh, genuinely, I'm very, very excited to be a part of that program. Um, very excited to start that job and take it to places it, it hasn't ever been before. I've um, got some really, really big shoes to fill there, but I, I feel like I'm, I'm ready for it and I'm up to it. Um, and I'm just, I'm really excited for the next chapter. I've loved Orlando, like I said. I love everything about and at Golf Channel, but it's, uh, it's just time for a move. Well, congratulations! Thank you. Thank you. Uh, that's 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 fantastic news, and I'm sure I'm sure all the listeners are happy to hear us uh, bettering ourselves. We're gonna actually now get into football. Let's do I know it. We, we're at the five minute mark, and we haven't even really discussed football. Huh. Uh, time to pump the brakes on talking about ourselves here. Yes, um, let's get into the more so important things. Today we're we're sitting here on well, it's Tuesday now for you. I'm I'm Monday night, uh, about to go over to Tuesday. Alabama just had their first practice, uh, full pads, not contact yet, but they've got their pads on. Uh, tomorrow, I believe they start two-a-days. No? Uh, that's a good question. They, they do. They start two-a-days right. tomorrow. I, I didn't know if it was um, tomorrow or Thursday. It's sometime this week we start two-a-days. I believe it's two days after your, your fan day right. that you start right. two-a-days. So, um, really, obviously, the the big question is we're going to always begin with this, the quarterback battle, right. which we've gotten a little bit – you know how Nick Saban is about this stuff. But we got a little bit of clarity here and there, especially from Sunday, about where the – the quarterback battle is um, what? So we we discussed this earlier in the week. What what have you been hearing? Uh, you know, a lot of stuff out of David Cornwell's camp. Patrick um, apparently has been uh, sort of battling a foot injury from what it sounds like throughout most of the spring and summer. Um, from the way that Coach Saban sort of detailing things, it sounds like David Cornwell is sort of out of the battle. Patrick, what do you make of that? What did you hear from Coach Saban, and where do we go from here? Yeah, everywhere at practice, everything I'm hearing, and uh, I've got a couple uh, insiders I'm able to to follow because of of of, of my position here at at the station. But um, basically, he just seems to be, which he is the odd man out. I'm not; it doesn't even seem to be. He is the odd man out right now right. because he physically can't do the other drills, the the motion drills that the other three are doing. And so while they're out doing the the drills that require movement, he's he's still throwing static on the on the ground. And in the press conference, especially the first press conference of the fall, um, Nick came right out and said, you know, David's been working with uh, with a uh, through a foot injury, and and then he immediately went on to say, I feel like we've got three guys that are capable of starting, and and they, he left him out in that conversation. Right. Um, and so that was what came out right at the beginning. Um, we got a little bit more clarity on Sunday, which was the fan day, and they had a two-hour open practice. Um, and, and the insiders that, that I have read from there, and actually I didn't get this from anybody, this is what I've read on, on various sites. Normally I'll see somebody, and then I'll 
check out some other people that were there to make sure it wasn't biased. But this is what four different people I checked said. The two sharpest quarterbacks on Sunday were far and away the two young guys, Barnett and Hurts. Yeah. And Bateman looked less sharp. He led the – him and Barnett got most of the snaps, but between those two, Barnett looked much more sharp. And I, he was, I think, Patrick, I wonder if it's sort of starting to get to Bateman as a confidence issue that he's looking in his rearview mirror – seeing two young guys sort of coming up i mean it's honestly it's almost like a, a bigger like a metaphor for alabama football almost you know you've got two young guys with nothing to lose just like alabama waltzes into games sometimes some years and the other team they're playing just has nothing to lose you know i, I wonder if jalen hurts and blake barnett are going out there thinking all right you know what i'm gonna make this risky pass and it's working out or whatever because they're going in with the mindset of, I don't have anything to lose, whereas Cooper Bateman's having to go in with, okay, this should be my team this year. Statistically and traditionally with how college football programs are run, I'm the oldest guy in the group. I've got the most experience in the group. This should be my offense. This should be my team. And that's putting a lot of pressure on his shoulders. And I wonder if Jake Coker went through similar things last year looking at Cooper Bateman. Uh, But, you know, I'm just not exactly sure if Cooper Bateman has that it factor. Um, I don't, th- I've never, I don't, I, I don't think it's We've there. talked about it before. I don't see it. You don't see it. He's really, really nervous in the backfield. He looks very uncomfortable. Everybody talks about his 40 time. Well, yeah, that's great. If he's forced outside of the pocket, a lot of the times that he tries to scramble Patrick, from what I noticed last year and what I watched, uh, watching tape leading up to this week while I was in the airport, uh, this past weekend was, that he's really scrambling and it's it's unforced. I don't know if he's inaccurately feeling pressure or if he's trying to make too much happen with too little, but a lot of the times he's trying to escape a pocket that's not collapsing, and that's not a recipe for success. In the Ole Miss game, it appeared he was, and that's really, we don't have tons to go off on him, but it appears that when he was scrambling, which we'd all been told that he could, and he worked with the receivers, and he was using his legs in, in last year's fall camp, but it looked like he was using his legs not to make plays and not even really to avoid plays. He was just skittish, and I, you know maybe that's different. He's a year, he's a year more experienced. The only, but the only positive instances that I remember with Bateman were were like towards the end of fall camp last year. He had the one week where he just out of the blue vaulted himself to number two in the discussion. Remember, we thought it was a Coker and Alec Morris for a really long time, right? And then and then all of a sudden Bateman came up, and then we were kind of high on him. We also kind of hoped he would start, and then he didn't show us anything in that old Miss game. I mean, he showed us. You know, I, I, I hate to, you know, rain on his entire parade. He was kind of thrown out there. He did have okay numbers, other than one awful interception. Sure. But yeah, we didn't. That was his moment, and the only thing that rests in our mouth on the on the field is is this moment of him not seizing the competition right. and the coaches making a mistake putting him in that's what it was i mean at the end right. of the day that was so let me let me add you done, patrick say replace replace that Ole miss game with a a team like vanderbilt or a team like kentucky or a mississippi state or or even a charleston southern you put cooper bateman in as a starter in that game and he struggles what do you think right off the bat he's not ready he doesn't have the it factor he's not ready to be a starting quarterback and he didn't play great against MTSU last year either. And, and I, neither did Coker in that game. It was well, the second game of the season. And that's but. kind of what I mean is, you know, we see that and we think back to that night and we're like, okay, yeah. But I feel like a lot of the time he gets the benefit of the doubt. 
well, it was the old Miss game. You know, we lost. It was our one loss last year. You can't really put that on him. He didn't even start most of the game. And I feel like it's a little bit almost unfair that he's getting that benefit of the doubt. Um, and I'm just – I'm not sure he's got that it factor. So, Patrick, it sounds like you and I have narrowed it down to the two young guys. And yet again, we're at the discussion we were last week, and I think we're going to have the same outcome. But has your opinion changed in a week between which of the young guys, Jalen Hurts, Blake Barnett, who takes the starting job? I, here, here's the way I kind of have maintained it in my mind. I think I can verbalize it now better than I could last week. I think the coaching staff, and Lane Kiffin in particular, want – Blake Barnett to win, sure. and and I think it's going to come down to two things. Because in, in in the in the press conferences, they are saying that Barnett's playing well and he's got the best grasp of the offense, which is all fine and dandy. But I think it is very evident to everybody that Barnett has the most. Um, um, uh, what, what am I trying to say? He has the most potential, and in this offense and what they want to do. Kiffin recruited Barnett. He didn't recruit Bateman. He he recruited Barnett and Hurts, uh, but more specifically here, Barnett to run his offense right this I think, that he has the skill set that he wants so I feel like now Barnett didn't have a great spring so it's coming down to me if Barnett improves and he shows he has a, a better fall than he did in the spring and has shown that he's gotten better since right then, I think Kiffin might be able to coerce Saban into putting him in if he doesn't and and Barnett keeps throwing interceptions Saban will not put him in because that was his problem in the spring was he threw a lot of turnover bad margin. passes right yeah. right and I you know, I don't know if that's just that he needed a couple more reps. I think he needs a couple more snaps or whatever. But, Patrick, I think, you know, we go back to this every single year, and it's worked out pretty well for Alabama so far, so I'm not really complaining. But at the same time, day one, I would like to have a number one starter. This is our guy. This is our too. guy. I think everybody know? would. Any team would. And Saban said that. He said, I would love for this to be handled. He said the last year, too. I would love for this to be finish before the fall but i can't force it or i might end up picking the right guy right and i guess that's why he's the coach and i'm not because honestly right now i would force it probably if, if yeah, i'm being 100 percent honest with you if i am coaching this team i'm picking a starter before the usc game simply for the fact that i want a guy to say okay this is who we need to model our offense around or one of the pieces we got to model our offensive around i should say uh because i think it works more smoothly that way um and right now, for me, I think it's Jalen Hurts. I'm sorry, but I saw more in the spring game from him. I, I know I know all the stuff about how young he is and how he doesn't really have the arm that Barnett has, and Barnett's more of a true quarterback, whereas Hurts is just kind of an athlete. But if we're just taking it based on what we've seen so far, I'm taking Hurts 100%. Simply for the reason that you mentioned, Barnett has a lot of turnovers. That turnover margin is so huge, and that's something you cannot do not only in college football, not only against a team like USC, but you just can't do it in the SEC and expect to make it to the SEC championship game, much less the college football playoff. Well, I, I'm not I'm not ready to go Hurts just yet. I mean, I know we saw, and actually I went back uh, this, this weekend while I was on the couch, and I watched probably 75% of the spring game back over just because I was bored. I and I said this in our spring game podcast. I wasn't sure that Hertz made better throws than Barnett. I don't think he did. I don't I think mean, it was better throws. I think it was he, better. He came out making. because nobody expected anything from him. He was the true freshman. He wasn't even on our radar. Right. And then he came out. And we were blown away by how he played. He and it is a credit to him that he's still being in this discussion. Sure. You would think that a true freshman would just go, okay, well he's too young, automatic redshirt. It says a lot to his talent. He's the future at quarterback at some point. Um, 
So it says a lot that he's a true freshman. He's still in there with the five star that we all pegged as a future Heisman guy last off season. So um, yeah, yeah, but you know, and it, it's like I said, I'm not. I, I don't. I, I honestly am basing it off of what I've seen. I'm basing it off of decision making. When Hertz scrambled, when he got outside the pocket, when when he made plays with his legs. Or, you know, even just ran outside the pocket a little bit just to give himself some more space and time, even if he just dumped it off to the sidelines. I was more impressed with that than I was with Barnett standing back in the pocket or forcing a throw to make something happen. Hurts forced the worst throw of the day. That's what I remember from that spring game. He had the only touchdown. He also threw the worst pass of the entire day. Right. Which ended up getting tipped in the air, and it ended up way lucky. That should have been intercepted by, like, three different guys. I think it went to Cam Sims. Anyway... I'm I'm still, I guess you and I are we're, we're near the same decision, but I I lean more Barnett where you're leaning more Hertz, and I cannot right. blame you there. I mean, Hertz squats over 500 pounds already. Yeah. He benches 265. He he deadlifts almost 600. Well, and to play that the game, stud. And to play that game, you know, you're you're complimenting my guy. I'm going to compliment yours. Blake Barnett is a quarterback. Jalen Hurts is an athlete. Like I said. That's well, bottom Hertz line. He can sling it, man. He, he can sling sure, it. He's got accuracy. But he's not – when you – okay, look at those two guys' game tape and tell me which one the quarterback is. Yeah, I mean – I mean – I'm, I'm sure a scout would – an NFL scout would right. look at him and go, well, Barnett's more prototypical. Right, and, you know, I, I think it comes down to what sort of – what fits Lane Kiffin's offense better. Patrick's sort of segueing. I think it also fits uh, what running back we've got back there. We talked about it a little bit last week, Scarborough versus Harris. I don't think our opinions have changed too much there. Let's get into the third-string guys a little bit, Patrick. Who are you looking at as that third-string guy to sort of make some waves, make some moves? You know, you never know when a guy gets injured or two guys get injured. I mean, we saw it with Kenyon Drake um, a couple of years ago and even last year a little bit. So who's your third-string guy right now? Well, it's funny you mentioned injuries. Uh, there, I think there are four guys competing for the number three spot. One of them hurt his knee either. This weekend, sometime, sure. it, it was Derek Gore. Yep, so you Derek got, Gore. Yep. You've got um, is it it's B J Emmons, Derek Gore, Joshua Jacobs, and Ronnie Clark are the four that I think are competing. And um, I think it's going to come down to the two. I think okay, I'm just going to say I think it's B J Emmons. I people I agree were raving, raving about him on Sunday. I was one of looking them looking for contact, and we we like to have a true freshman as the number three spot. So they. When one of them leaves, he comes in the two, and then will eventually be the number one. Right. And, and B.J. Emmons is a great ball player. He has good highlights from high school, and he's getting really good reviews. I, th- I think he'll end up being our third guy. Sure. Sure. I, I agree with you. I think it's B.J. Emmons all the way. And I like the, the sad part about the Derek Gore story is that I really liked Derek Gore. I thought he fit into the he's offense. He's a walk-on, well. right? Yeah. And he's, he's, like I said, he's got a great story. you know. But right now I think it is B.J. Emmons. You go back, you watch his high school tape. You see what everybody's saying about him. You mentioned it. Um, he's really, really looking for contact, which is scary uh, for anyone that hears an Alabama running back is looking for contact. I think they witnessed that a little bit last year uh, when Bo Scarborough was put in late in the game against Michigan State in the playoffs. Um, I think anytime you hear an Alabama running back is looking for trouble, that's trouble for your defense a lot less than it is an Alabama running back. I'll, um, I'll put it this way: one of the one of the knocks against Derrick Henry going into last last season, uh, he fixed that obviously in the middle of the season, is that he avoided contact too much. Yes. Now he's got a true freshman that that is looking for it. He's not built like Derrick Henry, but it's 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 
it's just always a positive it's, it's one the, when a guy is 18 years old and playing SEC defenses and is already looking. I mean, to it's, it's the Trent Richardson mindset. Look back to Trent Richardson's first touchdown. I mean, that's the play that everyone. If you had to say pick a very Trent Richardson type run for me, if you is had this to, the Arkansas one. Yes, the Arkansas play where he got hit six times in the backfield and ran 50 yards for a touchdown. That's that's the mindset of every great Alabama running back. Bo Scarborough did it last year. Eddie Lacy did it in 2010 running behind Trent and Mark Ingram. I mean, it's just that's the mindset you've got to have. T.J. Yeldon did it in 2012, and we saw it in the LSU game. He single-handedly beat up LSU that game. Um, so I, I think I think that right now it's B.J. Emmons um, and Derek Gore, if he can get healthy. Ronnie Clark is great. Joshua Jacobs, that we haven't really seen a lot of. We've got his high school tape, but other than that, Hardly even saw him in the spring game. Let me let me let me talk about Jacobs actually. Go ahead. He didn't yeah, he wasn't Please he do. wasn't at the spring game because he was still in high school at the time. Right, right. Jacobs right. has a really cool story. Um he's from this I, I expect him to be the next Kenyon Drake for this team. Not this year, mm. but I think they'll groom him into that mold. Okay. He was um from this small, small town in Oklahoma. And we had just I can't remember what running back, but we just had a running back probably decommit from us. Or maybe Saban just needed to add another one. All the guys were, were dried up. And we I think we just ended up missing on some guys. So Saban is like, well, we need to take another running back in this class. He discovers this Jacobs kid who has no offers. And then he starts to get some. Saban notices him before any of the big schools come to him. This dude doesn't even have a star to his name. And Saban offers him. Jacobs basically ends up accepting a few days later because he's like, well, absolutely, I'm going to go to Alabama. Right. Although he was waiting out on Oklahoma. Right. Um, so the surface to see who is this out-of-nowhere running back that is just committed to Alabama. They go look at him. They immediately give him his stars. Then Oklahoma comes, and he's like, oh, it's too late. They found me. We're doing this. Yeah. Signing day. Boom. And I, I think he looked at uh, – He's awesome. Yeah. He's awesome. And I, I think he looked at, Ala- or at Alabama, at Oklahoma's stable of running backs too. Um with uh, what's what's the kid's name? I'm blanking. Oh, Samaj P. Samaj P. Ryan. He's looking at Samaj P. Ryan. He's looking at Samaj P. Ryan's backups, and he's thinking, "My word, you know, I've I've got all these guys I've got to go battle against." But then he comes to Alabama, and he's got something similar too. So I like a guy with that mindset. Apparently, he's confident enough in his own ability to say, "You know what? I've got a better chance at Alabama than I do Oklahoma right now." Oh, his tape is his tape is fantastic. It's unreal. It's unreal. Um, so, like I said, other than this high school tape, you know, I I I said that I didn't think we had seen him during the spring game because I wasn't a hundred percent sure. Um, but you're right. I yeah, I don't there. think he participated. So he wasn't there. He was still in high. You school. know, I think that's a big question mark. The other big question mark, sort of from off season stories, you know, it kind of got swallowed up with all the Cam Robinson news. Is Tony Brown, Patrick, still suspended? Still suspended. But practicing with the team. Yeah, he's practicing. He's not, like, off the team. But he's been with the um, the safeties most of practice. I think he, day one he was with the corners. But I think since then he has been practicing with the safeties. And so I, I wanted to pitch this question and because um, I know how high you were on this idea last year and it ended up being fantastic. We saw Eddie Jackson struggle at corner most of his career, go to safety, and be an all-SEC talent. Are you on board with the idea of trying out Tony Brown at the safety position? I, You know, Patrick, you you mention it, – it's tough. You mention Tony Brown as a cornerback who struggled, and he didn't – I mean, he didn't really struggle. He was, he was in trouble, and it made – yeah, he made some mistakes – 
But I think the talent level at defensive back was so huge last year, at cornerback, I should say, that they're sort of moving him around to try and find a good spot for him. Uh, I think his speed and his size really sort of make up for that. You know, he's bigger than Eddie Jackson. He's bigger than Cyrus Jones, who's making waves in the Patriots roster, by the way. I don't know if you've seen that. He is. Bill Belichick, I've seen a couple highlights. Bill yeah. Belichick he loves, him. loves Cyrus Jones. So anyway, uh, you know how I feel about Cyrus Jones. So I'll, I'll stop that now. Uh, but I think if Tony Brown, I'm more interested in Tony Brown staying out of trouble and getting on Saban's good side again before I can put him in this roster right now. Um, you know, they always say hope for the hope for the best, prepare for the worst. The worst in this situation is Tony Brown never wears crimson again. Uh, the best is he gets on Saban's good side and makes one heck of a DB, whether it's at safety or cornerback. Um, I think he's in a very different boat than Eddie Jackson and Cyrus Jones, simply for the fact that I think those were two guys that safety was kind of their last option, and they kind of had that chip on their shoulder. I don't really see that Tony Brown... Uh, chip on his shoulder like I did from Cyrus Jones and Eddie Jackson. I think part of that is their size. Huh. Well, okay, so we're going to move on. Um, with, well, actually, I'll say this. I like the idea of him there if he does, you know, fix everything just because he's a track star. He's tall right. for his position. He is. Um, anyway, so with him not being there, and a lot of people, he was he was the presumed cornerback number three. That, that what do you call it, the star position this year. Um, we've just are in the process of losing, maybe not losing, Maurice Smith, who would have been, and we'll talk about him in a little bit, Maurice Smith would have been that star without um, Tony Brown there. So the two guys that were the projected starters there now look like they may not be able to play there or are not going to be playing that position, transferring, whatever. So with that said, we've got a lot of talent there. Who do you see maybe filling in as, as that, it's basically the number three corner spot. Right, and you know, it's it's obviously... Uh, it's a it's a little awkward right now with the Maurice Sw- uh, Smith situation and everything that's going on there um, to sort of judge the defensive backs. Luckily, and honestly, Patrick, it's kind of relieving because this is, I think, the first year in the Saban era where I haven't been worried about cornerback from day one. Yeah, you know, that's like true. I'm trying to think of another time where I was this okay with our defensive backs. Since it was definitely since Kirkpatrick and uh, Milliner were back there. Uh, you know, I put it even before then because even with Milliner had a lot of question marks going. Oh, there. we didn't like him. Oh yeah, his freshman year he gave up all those passing yards to LSU, and yeah. we didn't. I could not stand. Him. Yeah, and so I mean, so of course he I ended think, up being fantastic. I think but better take than. Get back Kirk. to 2009 when you had Javier Arenas, Drake Patrick, Daquan Menzi. Um, oh, I forgot about Menzi. That, yeah, and those sort of those sort of guys. Daquan Menzi, you got to remember, wasn't really a guy that was great in coverage, but his recovery speed and his confidence were so huge. Um, I wonder what he's up to these days. Uh, I believe he's on. Uh, oh my goodness! That hold up. That's a podcast right there. That is a podcast. Where are they now? Where are where's they now? Tana Patrick? Where's Nico Collins? Where are these guys? Little little teaser. Where's Tyrone Prothrow? If you haven't read this story, Patrick, oh, I encourage true. you to do so. If you have, let's uh, let's bring that up a little bit and talk about that next episode. That'll be year yeah. two, episode three. Be looking out for that next week. We'll but where are they now? Soon. Yeah, we should do that soon. You know, getting getting back to that discussion, I think your number three cornerback is it's got to be Ronnie Harrison, right? Is he is he a corner? Is he a safety? I think they could plug him in there. Absolutely. Well, I mean, if this is the, but he might be the starting free safety this year, right? If this is Unless the Hootie situation where you're saying Tony Brown makes it to the team and becomes the starting safety, I'm putting Ronnie Harrison back at cornerback. 
But if you're, I'm gonna go. If, I'm gonna go a different way. Okay, go for it. I, I'm gonna go with this year, who I think this will be this year's Marlon Humphrey, redshirt freshman, five-star recruit, um, uh, Kendall Sheffield. He was the number one corner coming out of his class, much like Marlon Humphrey was, and Minka Fitz. I mean, we've had the number one or two corner the last uh, three recruiting classes now. Sure. That's, I mean, teams would chop off their right arm to do that. Right. So, I think. I, I I don't know. I'm buying into him being this year's Marlon Humphrey. Yeah. Although Humphrey started, and it was Minka. You know, I'm just saying he's going to come out and explode. You know, last year at this point we were talking about we could see a lot from him, and he was amazing last year. Patrick, a guy that we haven't talked about, Hootie Jones. Hootie Jones, I, he's, I think he's a straight safety. I, I don't think Hootie's going to play You don't for think. And is that a problem that Alabama's running into now? Because, listen, we just named four guys that we've we've said with all of them, well, I don't know, they could be safeties, they could be cornerbacks. Is that a problem we're running into to the point where we don't really have any true cornerbacks anymore? Or is that not well, a problem at all? We've got one guy about to leave and one guy that's suspended, and I still think our cornerback depth is – I mean, we still got Shaheem Carter and uh, Nigel Knott coming in this year. They were both four or five stars coming in as freshmen. I think safety depth is the least – that's the as far as depth in our roster, we have the least amount of that at safety. We've got Eddie Jackson, Sean Burgess Becker, Ronnie Harrison, and Hootie Jones. Those are the four that come to my mind. Yeah, yeah, and I, um, I think and some of them might play corner, like you said. So safety is the thinnest position. I think we got to keep our safeties as safeties this year. Yeah, yeah, I I agree, I agree, and I think that's why Tony Brown's kind of over. But this. I think We've I think it's guys. good that we have defensive backs that are versatile enough to play both in case someone gets injured. Because let's face it, Eddie Jackson's been riddled with injuries since he came on campus. Yeah, you know, so I, I think that's important to have. Um, I hope Tony Brown can get in the good graces. I hope Hootie, Hootie Jones can stay in the good graces, and they can both continue to grow not only as athletes but uh, grow in their character development and grow as people. Um, cause I, I'd love to see them out on the field. I mean, uh, Tony Brown last year was an absolute missile on kick return coverage, um, which is where Saban really sort of judges your effort. You know, he's always told players, I don't put you back on kick return coverage, um, to put you back there. Cause I think that's where you belong. I put you there to demonstrate your effort. That's how Dylan Lee got his starting job. Um, yeah. before Cyrus Jones became a safety, that's how he really earned his keep. That's how Reuben Foster kind of made a name for himself, you know? Um, so I think that's very important, and it'll be interesting to see as the season develops sort of who's back there. Now let's move to the other side of special teams, kick returners. Um, you know, we got Stewart and Ridley are the first team. Patrick, something else? Yeah, that's what they were playing. You good with that, Stewart, Ridley? That's fine? I think that's fine. Let me Let me just bring something up. You remember Cyrus Jones was not really that sought after after he, I mean, he muffed two punts two years ago against Ole Miss. Um, people weren't really that high on him and then had a whale of a year last year returning kicks. Is there anyone who can kind of not really come out of the woodworks because that's not really what Cyrus Jones did, but sort of make a surprise, hey, I'm still here and kick return, punt return, do that sort of job and be successful? Well, if we're not going to say that Ridley, I guess Ridley and Stewart are too high of names to, to say that. I would go Xavier Marks. I think something... Not going to ever play running back. Sure. Not going to play anywhere except special teams. He's number 31, but he's shifty. I think he could be put in there and, and surprise I us. I think something that we've got to keep in mind as well is that if a player is as high profile enough as a uh, Stewart or a Calvin Ridley, or Darius Stewart or Calvin Ridley, Saban doesn't like putting him back on 
special teams return coverage. Not a, not in small games. I mean, you'll see. Like, I don't think not he even was gonna... really in big games because Mark Ingram used to love to do it. And Mark Ingram's freshman yeah. year, he did it every single game. Mark Ingram starts getting a little bit of Heisman hype. You don't see him back there anymore. Same with Richardson. Richardson returned kicks Trent. for a while. Yeah. I think it's. I think he does take injuries into account, and that's why I think if injuries didn't exist in football, uh, I think Kenyon Drake would have been our kickoff returner last year. Yeah. And I mean that you know you put him in the in the national championship game because if he gets injured, well, day hey, you know that's it's the national game. championship right. game. You got to put all your chips on the table sure. but no holding back right yeah I, I i would not be surprised if 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 ridley i could see stewart staying there because we got so many receivers but Ridley's so important I, I wouldn't be surprised if uh he just kind of became the next guy that kind of faded out of doing that and they we just on some random kickoff in the third game of the season go why is Xavier and mark standing back yeah. there something like that yeah no i agree you know we're it's garbage time against a, a and this is not going against any of those teams but a utc or a mississippi state or anything like that, or Western Kentucky, um, who I think Alabama needs to watch out for, I, ironically. Um, I, I think that we could see somebody like that. You know, Who knows? That Maybe they take one to the house, Saban likes what he sees, and then he's in there permanently. Um, I, I think we've got a lot of questions to be answered through the first two games of the season, quarterback, running back, defensive back, and special team. I, you know, I, I think those are some big question marks. Can Adam Griffith keep making field goals the way he was at the end of last season? He definitely didn't seem like it during the A-Day game. There's a lot of question marks That's that I forgot all about have that. to be answered through the first two weeks, the first three weeks. Um, and I think that we add to that list every single time we podcast. And I think that's a good thing. You know, I, I would be really worried if we had everything figured out to this point. True. And this will all kind of work itself out, obviously. Um, we mentioned Maurice Smith uh, earlier in the, in the podcast. And basically the backstory is, if you haven't heard, Maurice Smith... Uh, he he was in line for some playing time. He, he's been a he's been mostly on the bench his career, but he's been young. Now he's finally in a year where he's he's come moving up the depth chart. He decides he wants to transfer. Um, he originally the whisperings were Miami and fine and good. Then it came out he wanted to go to Georgia. Uh, Saban blocked it from Georgia, and the story just kept getting uglier from there. Uh, apparently he found his stuff in a trash can um, the next day. Uh, the coaches have been ostracizing him, or whatever, whatever's been coming out. But basically, Patrick here's, Saban blocked here's it, my found his stuff in the trash. This, honestly, and I'm sorry to interrupt you, but at what point are we just making up stories? Or at what point? Who do we believe? You know, at this point, Maurice I'll say Smith. This, every national championship season, about three or four bad stories come out about Alabama in the off season because that's where the team you have to talk about. Well, and Maurice Smith is a guy, and this is nothing against him. But, I mean, today he had an interview and didn't even mention the trash can incident. And I don't know where this story came from, and I wrote it down. It's on the docket. If this, if all this is true, it's terrible. Don't get me wrong. Let the kid where he wants to go. Who cares? If you're the best team in the SEC like Alabama is, or one of the best teams in the SEC like Alabama is, who cares where he goes because you're going to go beat him anyway. And I want to see more proof. I want to see more definitive proof and evidence of what is going on rather than this he said she said bullcrap that i'm so sick of getting churned out every single offseason by all these programs that aren't alabama and by all these writers that actually aren't in tuscaloosa they don't have connections there they're just spewing the same sort of bullshit that they hear from every other program and i'm sorry for my language but i'm just so tired of it 
I'm so tired. You of mean like you mean like about, uh, broadcasting legend Booger McFarland? I'm I'm so I'm so tired of hearing about all these people saying like, oh well, that guy had a you know well he had a, a framed picture with he and Alti Tenpenny that Saban threw away. Yeah, Saban went down to the locker room, pulled over a trash can, and threw his crap in the trash. Oh, give me a rest. Are you kidding me? Sure, he may have said get the kids' stuff out of the locker because we need that locker. But I doubt he said go throw it away, and I'm so sick of this. No, if that, if that happened, it was e- it was either theory. some Did it scope it was either some really seem like the kind of guy that gives a crap about anybody's stuff in anyone's locker because he doesn't to me honestly. No, Saban didn't do that. Let's be serious. It was either some player that was that was angry or some you, coach some that, that went overboard or some maintenance guy exactly. that just some, wasn't thinking. Some manager that got you know, that was sensationalized. Way too in over his head. And that's what I mean, is I want to see more definitive proof about this story. Give me paperwork. Give me recorded phone calls. Give me something before I make a decision about this story. Bottom of the line is, let the kid go play where he wants to play. If Saban's really blocking this as fiercely and aggressively as everyone says he is, then it's absolute crap. Go let him well, play he, he wants to play. No, he is, he is blocking it because he, he, he's addressed it twice. Um, he says, the rule is... I can block him from going somewhere in the SEC. I, I actually am on the other side of the coin with what say I'm, and I've seen a lot of Georgia fans saying this too. I'm with whatever Saban's doing because it's a it's honestly it's a precedent that Kirby Smart has also said at his program. People have forgotten because it's more sexy to talk bad about Nick Saban than it is Kirby Smart. Um, it if you if you let one kid go to the SEC school, even though it's against the rules, unless you waive it. You have to let them all go. You know, what if next year Lane Kiffin goes to Auburn? You know, for whatever reason, Malzahn's gone, they offer Kiffin, Kiffin goes there. And and, and Barnett decides he wants to go to Auburn because he, you know, is, we're not going to let him go to Auburn. That's a, that's a, that's a rival. Georgia, we could, well, we could very Patrick, believably why? end up playing Georgia in the SEC championship. Why not? Why not let him go? Give me, because, give me a good why. Because the kid's good at football? If it, because listen, he came to your program, listen. he committed to your program, and he, he, he there are rules and guidelines in place. But by that logic, that, then that why exists? let him go anywhere? By that logic, why let him go to a Big Ten school? Why let him go for the for the same reason that every coach in the SEC does it? But when Nick Saban does it, he's 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 terrible. He's, no, he's awful. I, I completely agree with you. That you know, it, uh, that, Kirby Smart has blocked kids from going to Miami to follow Mark Richt. Right. He did that. Bad press was written. Now it's been forgotten. There's a reason why these. These, these rules exist. But, and you know, I agree with you that it is this bad saving theory that everything he does is just out of pure evil, black hatred that he carries so far deep in his heart, and I don't think it's that at all. You know, but at the same time, let people go where they want it. That's sports. That happens. Listen, if this is a professional sports organization, there's nothing stopping that guy from leaving. There's nothing. Yeah, contracts do exactly that. He signed a contract to... A four-year contract, basically, to Alabama. No, he did not he can't sign just... any contract to Alabama. He didn't. No college athlete signs a contract anywhere. If that were the case, no. The rule is you have to sit them. for a year. The rule is you have to sit for a year. Sure, and that's fine. And th- that's fine. Make him sit for a year, but don't. But he doesn't want to sit for a year. Don't. He wants him to waive it without that. Well, that's that's the discussion. That's tough shit like honestly like that exactly and Saban saying well no the rule is here's the rule and this is why I'm blocking you and the you know it's if um, like I'm saying if but but that's my problem if that rule was was not in place it'd be chaos but that's my problem with it Saban says I'm blocking you from going it's not a okay you can go if you sit out for a year he's just simply saying no 
that's my problem with the whole thing. I have no absolutely no problem with it. I I do. See, I do because honestly, who cares about Murray Smith? I'm sorry, but we've mentioned him once this entire time we've been podcasting. Who cares? Who cares if it's Blake Barnett? Who cares if it's Bo Scarborough? We're Alabama. We have guys that'll fill the role. Oh, I absolutely care if we were losing our players. I see. I if it were if it were ten a year, yeah, I would absolutely care. It, but that's the thing. That's the precedent set. See if it, then it why let Chris Black go to Missouri, Patrick? Completely different situation. He was really? already injury way. Really? This was all discussed. Yes, Maurice Smith was injured too. No, this is he. He had a he. He was off of Alabama's team. He had I, he, he was released before he decided where he was going. He was re, he was off of Alabama's team because of injury, medical hardships. I, he was not going to play for them regardless. I just I don't think it matters. I hate that it's a discussion at all because I genuinely don't think it matters. I just, no, it probably won't. I just no, that's the, nobody's going to remember. And when that's the what I mean. Starts. Is if it were drones and drones of players, then yeah, I would care. But it's one guy. And honestly, Patrick, I don't think if you let one guy go, dozens and dozens are just going to leave the floodgates. I don't think that happens because everyone is different. Everyone has this different theory of what they want, where they want to go and all that. And I just don't think that if you let one guy go, dozens or even five are going to go with them. But it's not just here. here. It's not just Alabama, Alabama dresses 101 people every season. I, I just kind of I think you're a little bit missing the the ramifications there. I don't think I, I I don't think I'm missing the ramifications. You don't you don't, don't let think... you don't let other coaches poach your players like that, which is exactly what 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 Smart is doing. He's poach and just like like Mark Rick tried to do to Smart, you try to poach all the players that you can when you leave. But just it's it's the same thing. If if a player ends up being really you know they go to a small school like Vanderbilt, they end up being really good. Take Jordan Matthews for example. Well, Jordan Matthews goes. Actually, I'm pretty damn talented. I'm gonna I'm gonna go to LSU now. That you can't just do that. You have signed you have signed academic papers and everything. You were you were you were at this school, this institution, and then the, you can you can go there and study. But there's a reason these 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 athletic rules exist because well, it'd that's be a, chaos without it. Players would just switch at any in any instance. Well, and that's another problem I have with the whole thing, Patrick. Is these these kids are saying, oh, well, I want to go there to, to get my degree, to finish my education. That school offers more than this school. That, Murray Smith can go anywhere to do that's, that. But that's such a bullcrap excuse. That's not why you yes. want to go to that school. No. Um, and that's that's another problem that I have with all of this, is that people are just saying, oh, well, Saban's not letting him finish his education where he wants to finish his education. That's not true. If the kid was that intent on going somewhere to finish his education, football would not be this big of a deal. It's I, look, he has a hundred schools he can go to. I hundred percent get what you're saying. I just don't think that it would be as bad as everyone makes it out to be if you let the kid go. Um, the, no, but and, the conversation just looks make like them this. Sit to me. out a year. That's that's the thing is that Saban is just saying no, not saying yes if you sit out a year. All right, Maurice, you can leave. Just you can't go anywhere in the SEC. All right, cool, coach. I'm going to Georgia. It's just then sit out a year. I'm going to Georgia. You know okay, then you'll sit out a year. What's wrong with that? You don't want to sit out a year. I have no idea. I mean, like, honestly, what's wrong with that? If you really want to go to Georgia, you'll sacrifice that year. You'll get better. You don't risk injury. There's no point in not doing it. And I know I'm 
I'm not in the mindset of an impulsive kid who's probably got big dreams of making it to the NFL, but I just don't, I don't, I don't see it as a big problem. I just don't. And I guess we'll never know because you, you and I weren't good enough to be college athletes. Although, your time is coming for the NBA draft. You've been telling me since our freshman year of college that you're making it the NBA draft. And I think I might declare 2017. I, I still believe in you wholeheartedly. This is not a joke. Listeners, this is not a joke. Every year during the NBA draft, Patrick tells me, didn't get drafted this year. May try, may, may test free agency and see what happens. I'm pulling for you, man. I think you're going to get there. Let's move on. Let's move. That was a good discussion, but let's move on. Uh, I told you last week to watch Last Chance You. You apparently watched it. What did you think? Just initial thoughts. Are we Are we going to – do you want me to just give thoughts or are we just going to hop all in and say, hey, actually, I'll just do this. Hey, listeners, if you haven't watched it, you plan on watching Last Chance You and you don't want spoilers, this is the part where you pause the podcast and you skip forward until you hear us not talking about it anymore. Good? Good. Um, it was riveting. It was really good. Right? I, 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 I guess I'll go down. We're going to talk about John Franklin III, obviously, in a minute. But I have to say, Wolf. that coach was an absolute moron. What a psychopath, and right? The, the show presented him at first like, and this is, he, the dude thought he was Nick Saban, and he's an, he's, he is. He's, he's he rough. Is, he's rough. He says the wrong thing. Every, every time it comes down to say something to these kids, it seemed like well, he was saying the wrong that's thing. Sort of, that's sort of like, have you noticed that that's become a theme among like small schools, like high school football programs? Anytime a story is written, anytime any sort of visual multimedia thing is done like this, the coach is always presented as this, well, he's, he's tough as nails, but he's just a good old southern boy. Well, don't get me wrong. He has to be because these kids are obviously uh, you know, not very – not very um uh what's the word disciplined a lot of not all of them but most of them are not very disciplined so yeah you have to have that but i'm saying basically this is a guy that that every two seconds of practice i know coaches cuss don't get me wrong but this dude's going you know cursing him out gd this gd that and then turning around and making him recite the lord's prayer at the end of practice every practice it's Practice what you preach, and then and then he's gonna Bible get he's gonna get mad car. at these kids for for having egos yeah. and for getting angry. The dude got suspended two games for pushing a referee. Yeah. Sorry, but he had a role in that fight, and it was like, it's, dude, it's look at the. He kept saying every every episode he'd say, "Look at the guy in the mirror," and then he'd be turning around pushing refs. Yeah. He'd be turning around getting in fights with the opposing coaches. Yeah, and I think I think it goes back to the you know I've known about. Eastern Mississippi Community College. I mean, there's been articles written about it in SB Nation back in yeah. 2010, 2011, just about how, holy crap. Well, I've known our guys that had come Right, and, and look at all these players that have come from. I mean, you watch a show at Bo Wallace, Chad Kelly, Jaron Reed, LeGarrette Blunt. You can just go through and name all these different players. Didn't Marcel Darius go there? Uh, No, I, I think Marcel stayed at Alabama. I know he got into trouble. Did he? Okay, maybe. I'm not 100% I'm sure on that. Uh, maybe one of our listeners can tell us, but I know for a fact that Jaron Reed did. Um, and that's how I first learned about it was there was an article written in ESPN, the magazine about how Jaron Reed almost quit football because scuba Mississippi was so boring and there was nothing to do that. He just wanted to go and be with his friends back in Tuscaloosa. And I, I or uh, sorry, that was uh, DJ Petway. It wasn't um, Petway got him to Eastern Mississippi community college and said, it's so boring. Jaron Reed went there and said, oh, my God, you're right. I don't know if I want to play football anymore. Now we know him as the man he is today. However. Now, and that's all. Listen, I get all that. It's tough. All these kids thought they'd be at D1. Right. Something goes wrong. They're great. Something. 
and 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 it doesn't work out. You got to spend your year or two there. I get that sucks, man. But holy cow, there was one person in that show that to me ended up painted in a in a positive light, and that was well, actually no, that academic counselor. I, I was I was hot and cold with her too. I see. I appreciate her. Wagner's her life. Oh, she's got the hardest job there. I appreciate her because she is passionate about what she does more than any of them. Because never once do you see the coach or any of the players break down crying. She won. She won me when she. She won me when she said that she would have been willing to drive ten hours to go get yeah. the coach that, that Ollie kid yeah. put down. Said I'll go drive the ten hours and go get him and bring him back yeah. here. That that that's what. Anyway, she's, we'll we'll move we'll move to what was probably the the second most main character other than the head coach with John Franklin the third, oh. which we now know him as the uh, as the presumed Auburn quarterback this year, the presumed starting quarterback can at Auburn. Just, can you just time me? Just give me like forty seconds. That's all I need. All right, starting now. I have never seen a player that from the beginning of a show, the beginning of an article, the beginning of a story. I looked at it and said, oh my god, this personality type fits this university so unbelievably well. I knew he had committed to Auburn. I didn't know where he was on their depth chart because honestly, I don't really pay attention to Auburn preseason football that much. I don't see a point in it because everything changes for them so bad during the season. I have never seen such a cocky, selfish, look at me, I'm the only one that matters sort of player like I did with John Franklin III, and I think it is going to absolutely implode for Auburn and I haven't even started on how terrible he is at throwing the football, which is a vital aspect of their offense, and my 40 seconds are up. That was 45, but I'll give you that. Okay, yeah, so basically he he, uh, he got there. It was a quarterback competition between him and a homegrown kid that just kind of enrolled there. Wasn't a recruit, just was there. Wyatt Roberts, I want to say his name was. One of my favorite characters um, in the freaking show because he's the I liked only him. My one, favorite one that is absolutely predictable the entire show. I liked him, and I liked the backup running back, um, Isaiah Wright. Yes. I think is the name first was. episode where he puts himself in on the kickoff return is one of the funniest Dude, things I've ever best, seen. Best moment of the show. Best, Absolutely. best, best storytelling of that show was in 100%. that moment. Anyway, he ends up not starting. The dude had been there an extra year ahead of him, but he he doesn't he he is not the starter at a community college by some six foot kid. From, Mississippi, from Scuba, Mississippi, that outplayed him every step of the way. And John Franklin III, every episode, they show him on the side, you know, why, that Roberts kid would throw a touchdown. Instead of celebrating... He stands over there and moves. Uh, sour grapes. The whole, the, whole, the whole series. Now, and then at the last episode, the second to last episode, the last game of the regular season, uh, the kid gets injured, Roberts gets injured. This is just the one that Auburn happens to be at. Franklin goes in. It's the worst team they play that season. He scores six touchdowns because it's 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 a it's a joke of a game, and they run. The, the, the e, EMCC is known for running up the score and beating teams ninety to seven. That's which that's they mantra, claim so. is because they want a better ranking, which is hilarious to me. Like that's and that's the biggest problem with all these ranking systems, Patrick. In in and then there's surprise in, when teams in try to giving them. style points to big wins. And just looking at the numbers, that's the main problem. Is and you can I'm not, run up the score, hey, but hey, don't call two timeouts with forty seconds left. And, and you're up neither you or I a are going to spoil the ending for anyone. Okay, you and I will not do that right now. No, I won't. I won't go into what actually happens but at the end. You but can kind we of have predict, a lot so and far. you can kind of see 
what happens when you run up the score like that? That's my big problem with that. And I think that that show made a great comment on that sort of theory and philosophy better than anything has. I think any sort of voter or writer that gets a very important vote and who makes the college football playoff needs to watch that show and need There's to a- reevaluate the giving of quote-unquote style points based on how big you win. There's, it's, it's, it's not even a fine line. It's a, very, it's a very different thing telling your kids, hey, when we get the ball, when the ball is in our hands, go try to score. You know, don't, don't slow down just because we're winning. Play your game. Yep. I don't want to see a jogging and going through the motions. And then calling two timeouts with 45 seconds left and you're up 48 to nothing before halftime. There's a huge difference between those two attitudes. Anyway, John Franklin the third, and and he just it just he does not come out in my mind looking well. But then again, Auburn doesn't need a throwing quarterback; they need a gimmick. And Nick Marshall, the dude's got a cannon for an arm; he's just not accurate. No. And whatever, maybe they can fix that. I, I, he did I not... just don't see it. The kid's small too. So I guess we'll just kind of move on to talk. We 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 slated some time in here to talk about Auburn. Uh, they've had a very eventful week. With, what with their best offensive player Javon Robinson being dismissed from the team for reason A, B, and C that have not really been defined, um, he's gone. Uh, what's the other guy? Um, Javon Robinson. Their other running back, forgetting his name right now. Don't ask me, man. He's, I like I said, I don't pay attention to Auburn preseason football because it changes so much midseason. Their number two running back, and I'm looking up his name, but their number two running back transferred, and then their uh, best running back recruit just hurt his knee and is out for the season. What do you expect from Auburn this year, just looking at looking at what they got? Uh, I'm expecting seven and six at best, and they've really got to start considering whether or not Gus Malzahn's the answer. Um, I, I think they're getting another Gene Chizik, and they don't realize it yet. They're just getting a Gene Chizik who is better at hiding it for longer. Gene Chizik couldn't hide the fact that he was Gene Chizik. Gus Malzahn has hid the fact that he's Gus Malzahn for two semi-successful seasons. Um, obviously, they make it to the national championship in Florida State um, and lose in the last couple minutes. Uh, you know, no one really from that team has been that successful in the NFL, mind you. Uh, I think the only one who really you could argue has is Trey Mason, and now he's in some trouble with the NFL. Uh, that we won't get into right now because that discussion is for another day. But at the same time, it's, uh, you know, I, I just, we're talking about the offensive side of the ball, and that was supposed to be the side of the ball this year that wasn't struggling. And I think that's the big uh-oh for Auburn, is that a lot of the, Yeah, their defense looks not terrible, but okay. It did well against us. A lot, a lot of their question marks, though, have come from, okay, who do we have coming back on defense who's going to play on defense? Carl Lawson. Carl Lawson. Um, I, but I, you know, I think they've got some big question marks everywhere, and I think if you're an Auburn football fan, you're you're starting after this season to maybe give Gus Malzahn the uh, the Gene Chizik treatment. <laughs> and they signed him to that extension in the offseason. Everybody went, "What?" But it did. It was a kind of extension where they can still get rid of him after this year. Carl Lawson, don't get me wrong, he's great. If he was on Alabama, he'd be in the running for best player on our defense. He'd be in that running. He'd be up there with Reuben Foster because um, he's very good, very good player. But, um, yeah, okay, so I'm looking at their schedule, and they have their first four games of the season 
are as, are as tough as I've maybe ever seen. They could eat very easily and, and very likely come out of this. They one in three. They come out with Clemson. We don't. Nobody expects Auburn to be Clemson. Um, Arkansas State. That's a win. Texas A and M. That's going to be a good I game. Them, I have them losing that. That's game. That's going to be a good a game. LSU. Don't think it's close. Nope. Louisiana Monroe. I give them a win. MSU is a toss up. I'm giving them MSU because I think MSU will be garbage. Arkansas. No. That's that's their that's their flip game. I think. It's at home. I actually gave them the Arkansas win. You have Auburn behind Arkansas. Yes. Ole Miss loss. Vanderbilt win. Georgia loss. Alabama and A&M win. Alabama loss. So I've got them at one, two, three, four, five wins. And that's going to be six wins. And that's going to be a tough six wins. If you don't give them Mississippi State and Arkansas, that's a four-win season. We ne- Neither of us see them being above six games. No. No, I said seven and six earlier. I meant six and seven. I, I but it's it's year of thirds. It's year of thirds. You know, I just Auburn's got that Auburn's got that year of thirds magic. I, they're really gonna have to pull some magic out this year. <laughs> I mean, Patrick, <laughs> they can do it. Patrick, think about the Cam Newton year. Their defense was incredible preseason. Think about the Nick Marshall year. Their offense was pretty dang good preseason. You look at this year. There's not a point you can really look at and say, oh yeah, pretty good. Pretty good preseason. No. No. I mean, Auburn, well, Auburn's 2010 defense was statistically the worst ever national championship defense, but they didn't need that because they had Cam Newton. Um, So we both see them at between four and six wins, and that's the number we've got them at, unless they can just pull off some serious upsets, which happens, it, I guess. It happens. You know, the it happens. Iron Bowl always is a question mark. Always. Oh, yeah. It's like it doesn't matter what, you know, USC or Stanford's record is, it's or Michigan, Ohio State, or FSU, Miami, or any of those games. I think you're going to start different. a series of over-under, and I think the first over-under is going to be over-under how Auburn many... would be five wins. No, over-under how many interceptions does John Franklin the throw... John Franklin the third throw during the Clemson game. He actually hasn't been named the starter, and I have... I don't... I just can't... I don't see him being better than Jeremy Johnson from what I watch. That's the point. Look but he can run, and they guys. do need his look skill set more than they need Jeremy and Look at Auburn's quarterback battle and tell me whose shoes you'd rather be in. Oh, boy. That's easy. Uh, I would I would give the job to Sean White after seeing what I saw. But they really, really, really want that dynamic. And he – okay, we haven't given him this. The dude has wheels. Yeah. Oh, he's fast. 100%. But he was a three-star that couldn't cut it on FSU. Yep. He was on the practice squad. So we'll see. But Auburn's a gimmicky team. All right, um – I think we might save this. Uh, we're nah, let's just keep going. You know, we'll just keep going. We we it's put the ranked the SEC now. teams. We'll go fast. We can do some hot takes. This is a hot take, I suppose. Uh, rank 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 your teams this year and the SEC. One A, Bama. One B, LSU. Don't ask me to put those one two. Can't do it. Ole Miss three, Arkansas four, Texas A and M five, Auburn six, and I'm being generous. Mississippi State seven. Patrick, yours. I'm I'm mostly with you, and I, I really keep teetering on this. But I did last week put LSU one, so I got I got to back them up. LSU one, Bama two, Ole Miss three, Tamu four, Auburn five, Arkansas six, MSU seven. So I have Auburn Auburn ahead of Arkansas and MSU. I think all three of those teams have similar question marks. 
I, I, but Auburn I'm does higher, have the best I'm collective talent. Arkansas than maybe I should be, but I, I've got a good feeling about them this year. Don't ask me to explain it. I've just got a good feeling. Let's move to the East. Patrick, I've got Tennessee 1, Georgia and Florida tie 2A, 2B, and then who cares? Missouri, <laughs> South Carolina, Kentucky, Vanderbilt, but honestly, are any of those teams contending for the SEC East? No, is no. the answer. No, they are not. Um, I guess I left one out, but uh, I had Tennessee one. I'm putting Florida ahead of Georgia. I'm sure. not. I'm not. Why not? Even remotely high on Georgia this year. Okay. But it doesn't matter. It doesn't East, matter. Whatever. There's even if they get there, who cares? All right. I let's just move on to this impromptu discussion that might end up being 30 minutes long. Who knows? Because oh. I, I know you're very passionate about this, but we oh, never boy. talked about it on this podcast. Oh boy. Alex Rodriguez over the weekend Whoa. announcing he's playing in his last. Yankees game. He's no longer yeah. a Yankee, and he might. He's probably done in the major leagues for good. Like I don't see a team picking no. him up, and Why? nobody wants that unless, that. unless you are desperately needing ticket sales, there's no reason to pick up Alex. But I don't think he sells. T- uh, although his if let me five Patrick <laughs> stop. If you put Alex Rodriguez in the game consistently till he hits 700 home runs, people are gonna, oh that's true. Yeah. Are I mean you can gimmick him to 700. They're like Ichiro just had with the Marlins, yeah. but um no okay. So the discussion is. The one that we're going to hear at about ad nauseum, like we have been for a while. How? What is your opinion on these these guys, these A Rods, these Bonds, these Clemens? No. Hall of Fame. No. Hundred percent no. Hundred percent no. <sighs> we're finally Absolutely agreeing not. on something. I, I cannot. I, I don't even consider them in the discussion. If you've ever been seriously questioned, or it looks like the odds are stacked really against you, it's really hard to change my mind. The only guy that I'm still not sure on with all of that going on is not Clemens, is not Bonds, is not uh, is not A-Rod by far. Uh, it's Rafael Palmeiro. Um, it's the only guy where I, I, I genuinely don't know what to do with him because he was in the league for such a short time. Or not even such a short time, but he was so successful for such a short time. But in that short time... He was so successful that it's hard not to put him in, and it's hard to really pin down when he did take steroids. Um, what the sad part with all those guys is, Clemens, Bonds, A-Rod, all those guys, I think they have brilliant careers without steroids, and I think they make the Hall of Fame without them. Um, I think it's... I, I think it's, No, A-Rod probably doesn't have 696. So no. Actually, he he's no. the one I look at that goes... He might have had a similar career because he had that skill set ah, before. See, I don't. He I had don't know. that skill set before we. He he didn't take steroids see, at the beginning but of his you're, career. You're forgetting. We know exactly when he started. But you're forgetting the 2008, 2009 years where he was cranking out 25, 26 home runs. No, his, okay, maybe his longevity. I don't know. I just know he had the skill set yeah, when he was young. Yeah, absolutely. People, we know he didn't take him until the toward the end of his days with the Rangers. People forget, and he was fantastic on the Mariners he, and the Rangers. People early. forget. How many stolen bases he had, too. I mean, like, he had a ton of stolen bases before he got juiced. And you- I've gotten in huge arguments over this with people. The way I see it is, when I was a kid, baseball players were my first heroes. I latched onto baseball before I latched onto any other sport. I'd spend... I was the same way. Two hours in my backyard with by myself with one of those... Uh, things you throw the ball against and it springs it back to you. It has a little strike yeah, zone on it. I, I, I was Josh Beckett. I was Dontre Willis. I was a Marlins fan. Those are my guys. Um, 
two very. I expect my kid to maybe possibly be the same way. You know, he's gonna he's gonna be a hero if he doesn't pick up baseball. It'll be some sport, but if it is baseball that he picks up, for him to look at people that have been proven to be cheaters, like Alex Rodriguez, not even questionable. We know that he cheated. For him to look at that, and go, oh, he's still in the Hall of Fame. That just says to every kid that grows up watching baseball, cheating is okay. It's okay to cheat. Right. If you're really good at it. Right. Um, and I, baseball is such a sacred sport. You know, it's it's the longest living American sport. Basketball came on afterward. Football's way later than baseball. Let me. Baseball, there's there's a, there's a there's a hallowedness there. Let, you don't ruin that with these. Let guys. me change the subject a little bit. Ichiro Suzuki, as you mentioned, hit his 3,000th home run. Or home run, 3,000th hit. Excuse hit. me. Um, is he a first ballot Hall of Famer? Yes. Yeah. Hundred percent. Right. Easy. He's a first ballot Hall of Famer. I think the real argument that people have with him is, if you take his hits in Japan, he's past Pete Rose. That's remarkable. You do, but you then again, but he's playing in you, Japan. You, his argument with the Japan thing is that he played much less games in Japan, so he's done it in way fewer at bats. But again, it was in Japan. We're talking major leagues here. He was not getting the kind of pitching Pete Rose was getting. Here's, until here's two things that I've thought of during this just during during this discussion. That shout out to Rob Norwood, my brother, and I have talked about in the past month. They're sort of unrelated, um, but I'll, I'll give you a trivia question after this. But one thing that is so impressive about Babe Ruth and why he's the greatest, most dominant athlete in his sport of his time, greater than MJ, greater than Elway or Montana or Marino or Favre or any of those guys. Uh, Babe Ruth had as many shutouts in his career as Pedro Martinez. Think about that. And so that's why when you were saying like, oh, I had a pitch back and I would throw it and I was I was Dontrell Willis, I was Pedro Martinez. That's who I wanted to be. Him or Randy Johnson every single time I stepped on the mound. Oh, the- um, that's, so that's my first thing. My second thing, can you name all the New York Yankees with 3,000 hits? Oh, um, uh, Babe Ruth? No. L- L- Lou Gehrig? No. <laughs> Keep going, please. Um, I feel like you're about to tell me there aren't any. Go ahead. Just keep going. You're bound to get one. I feel like you're about to tell me there aren't any. Uh, Mickey Mantle. No. Ah, uh, jeez. Let me go ahead Hold and tell on, you. Don't... There's one. Is it Derek Jeter? Yes. He is the only Yankee with 3,000 hits. Think about all the Yankees. Just think about that. He is the one guy with 3,000 hits, and people are talking about, oh, well, he didn't really have that great of a career. He's really overrated. Dude had 3,000 hits. He's the only New York Yankee to ever do it. Just think about that. Let's move on. We've got our sound offs to do, then we're going to sign off and get done because we're already way through an hour. But we've revitalized this podcast, so we can go as long as we want. I don't even care. Anymore. Well, they're about to be cut in half once we start doing two a week anyway. Not in half, but. Do you want to go first with sound offs, or do you want me to? Mine's kind of lighter than yours, it looks like. I'll go first. Um, I, I, mine's going to be about... I guess I'm a week late to doing the sound off, but it's still relevant in my mind. I don't. There are always people out there that... When something gets popular, when something becomes a fad, when something gets there... And I kind of used to be somebody that was sort of like this. As that. soon as it happens, I call them detractors. They immediately have to start... like Like, it's... I'm, I'm specifically talking about Pokemon Go. Obviously, 
got huge. Everybody was talking about it. I played it. I had it on my phone. A lot of my friends did. I've been in group texts where we've talked about it for hours. It's a lot of fun. You know, I was a kid. This stuff existed. Now it's here. And it's just, it's a fun way to pass the time. It's not the worst thing in the world. It's not hurting anybody. But you always got the people out there that go, oh, oh you would play that. <laughs> Ugh. And put up these things on Facebook that are like, you know, like, oh, they're so immature. So immature. There are thousands of people dying, and, and, and everybody's right. concerned about monsters on their phone, which you can at- really attach to anything, let's be honest. Yep. Don't be one of those guys. Let people have their fun. If you don't Look, like it, then hey, just don't like hey, it. Hey, I'm not here to play goalie. All right? In this life, I'm not here to play goalie. If you're happy and you're not hurting anyone, I'm either here to assist or get out of your way. I'm not here to stop you. I'm not playing goalie. If people want to go out and exercise and play a game on their phone, I'm not going to stop them. I totally get what you're saying. My sound off is uh, news anchor banter. Patrick, you, you're a news anchor. I, I'm going to join you on this dude, one I soon, can't. and I hope my anchors never listen. to. Actually, I don't know that I, I, I can't. I I, I, Patrick, I absolutely can't. I cringe. You remember when, like, the awkward kid in, like, high school would raise his hand to answer a question with some smart aleck remark that you knew wasn't going to get a laugh out of anybody, and you just sort of cringe and sort of put your head down? That's how I feel every single time that a producer says, okay, 30. And then the news anchors just sort of start talking for those who are not in TV or can't figure it out. 30 seconds left in the show. Producer says 30. And then the anchors are. So, you know, you got to fill 30 seconds right, of just talking. Right. Uh, well, what are you doing this weekend, Janie? Or whatever. I can't deal with it. I, I, I realized it today. I was sitting watching a local news broadcast. and they, It started. And I could tell the point when the anchors were like, oh, crap, we got to think of conversation topics. Just be a person. Just be a person. Whatever your last story was, build a conversation off of that. If, if you've got something big in, in the city going on, bring up that. Don't make it this awkward thing. And the worst part of it all, Patrick, is the awkward news anchor laugh. It kills me. Every single time there is a fake laugh that done all I know you have, I've heard it and seen it, and it hurts me. It hurts me. But, Patrick, all news anchors do it. They have a very specific laugh that is very fake and very rehearsed that they use on air. <laughs> and it makes me cringe. That's my sound off. That's it. That's a very small and minuscule thing. But I realized it today, and I said, oh, that would be a great sound off. So that's Pat's interview. Don't even – I could I, – I won't. I won't just because I can't. But I could go on and on and on about that. That is – It's awful. It is not that hard to do, and and some people make it so excruciating because they're afraid, like you said, to just step out of being a news anchor and just be a just dude be a on the or a girl, just, just be, be a, a person, person, and just. But everything has to be presented like you are still doing the news. Yeah, it's oh my god, it's painful. You just saying it with that tone made me cringe. All right, everybody, that's year two, season two. Or year two, season two. Year two, episode two, excuse me, of Pat's Interference. I'm Patrick Nord. He's Patrick Bremen. Check out the new website, patsinterference.com. Check us out on Facebook, P-A-T apostrophe S, Interference. Check us out on Twitter, at P-I underscore podcast. Be looking at Twitter and Facebook for updates. Uh, be looking at the new website. Let us know what you think. Let us know if you want to write some blogs, do some articles, things like that. Let us know what you think of the podcast itself, how we can improve 
Remember, once the season starts, we'll be breaking it up into two episodes. Those of you who are not Alabama fans can listen to that second episode. Those of you who are will listen to that first episode, or you can listen to both. Patrick, anything to add? Um, just the, the iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and Pocket Cast. I've got those down. You now. really do. You really do. I'm really, really proud of you. Uh, everyone, by the way, Patrick and I are going to get Pat's Interference business cards. They've been shipped. So if you see those floating around, see, right. see all those bad boys floating around. Make sure you divvy them out to your family and friends. Uh, we appreciate everything that you do for us. Um, we couldn't do this without you. As we've mentioned before, Patrick and I have always wanted to do this. Having you guys along for the ride and supporting us and loving us and listening to us really means the world to us. We've always wanted to do this. So thank you so much. We will talk to you next week. Uh, I will be busy packing my apartment and getting ready to move, which I'm very excited for, but we are definitely going to do an episode next week. I'm Patrick Norwood. And I will be in Orlando. He's Patrick Brickman. You will be in Orlando. Maybe I'll see you. I think I'll see you. I, I bet 95% of the time I'll see you when you're here. But we'll get to that bridge when we come to it. Everybody have a good week. Stay safe. We'll talk to you next week. Roll Tide.